0: The Fuji Cast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, okay, are you able to use your one hundred? No, not one hundred. Your one thousand one hundred and seventy pounds gym shoes that you bought, that you used twice before you got gout again. Are you back? Are you back in them? I'm back in them. A bit uh, tight. Uh, it's do you know, Does it feel like lockdown is over, or does it feel like a
1: continuation of it? It's really weird, isn't it? it? It's it's interesting. I went I went past one of the pubs yesterday. Like I said a while ago, I think a couple of weeks ago, that all the pubs in Malmstead, there's only one that does food. Mm. Scotch, and, egg. Scotch uh, eggs, obviously. Scotch eggs. Yeah, that's right. They're all open. <laughs> <laughs> they, they must all be giving away free Scotch eggs.
0: <laughs> free Scotch egg with every bitter. Yeah, it do- I don't know whether it feels like like we've we've um, come out or, or gone back into to one really. I, I just I can't I can't work this out. But it's, the good news is, Kev, um, we're going to all, all be punched in the arm soon by by Boris with his uh, miracle drug cure. Yeah. As long as bit. he can keep saying us, oh well, we have another problem now. We can't possibly get it out now?
2: The Fuji cast.
0: Whenever we have a bit of good news, it seems in this country, we have to we have to caveat it with, uh, yeah, but remember, it's not going to happen for a long time. Get back in your box, behave yourself. That's what it feels like, a little bit to me. Yeah. The virus <laughs> will go away
1: once Brexit's failed, anyway. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>
0: Welcome to Eeyore Central. Um, you and your questions on Fujicast today from our electronic mailbag and, of course, also through the Fujicast private Facebook group, which Kev seems to be in charge of now um, when it comes to questions being read out anyway, which you're very welcome to become a part of at click at fujicast.co.uk if you send your emails in, but the uh, the private Facebook group uh, otherwise. If you are not a Fujifilm shooter, do not worry. It's a big community, and whatever flavour you shoot, you're very, very welcome today kev you've been talking to pete reed haven't you i have tell us about tell us
1: about pete no pete's a a living legend isn't he he is olympic triple olympic gold medalist um, very good photographer, friend of mine, friends of a lot of people, and uh, yeah, you'll you'll see things of uh, life's changed for him quite substantially. Yeah. But you'll you'll see all of that in the interview. Yeah,
0: it's great, isn't it, when somebody sort of starts out life and wind that one way, and then becomes a, a a terrifically amazing photographer. That reminds me of uh, Brian Adams, <laughs> <laughs> who I who I wrote to actually, Kev, um, to mm. request an interview for the FujiCast. doesn't he owe you money yeah well i did i thought well look you must get a load of emails a day so and my opening gambit will be oi brian you owe me 20 quid (laughs) so um brian's office did in fact get back to us Mm -hmm. Uh, they don't really have the same humor as well i i thought they might yeah um Did you tell them I
1: spent 300 quid on one of his books?
0: Well, I should have told them that as well. I might write back with a follow-up.
1: Oh, and by
0: the way, Kev spent 300 quid on one of your books.
1: Yeah and if you don't come on for an interview we'll say it's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure he'll care. <laughs> we've already done that book anyway and it's not rubbish. It's no it's not good.
0: rubbish it was a great book but he still owes me 20 quid. <laughs> um and uh, we're talking to the books what's your book of the week this week?
1: Oh book of the week this week is the classic Kudelka Gypsies. Yeah we we've done a few um Cadell books, haven't we? We have done one, I think, in the past year, but this is this is one. This is a new addition for me. So, right. um, yeah, of, we'll talk about that. One of our faves. Um, gypsies. I'm sh- not sh- sure we- you're allowed to call it, say, gypsies anymore, are you? But, um, I, um, yeah,
0: I don't think that's the politically correct phrase now, is it?
1: No, oh. but this is from 1975, so okay. right, uh, we should talk.
0: Uh, questions. Um, should we start with the bump to front, which is, isn't really a question. It's more of a, a comment, but then, then you can go for a question. Got one here from uh, Joey Campagna. Um, Kev just picked up the black and white presets via your black friday special were you doing black friday specials you were
1: weren't you not really i saw that email come in and i thought i didn't know i was doing a black friday special but what i did do is i gave a a discount code on one of my youtube videos oh. so I, I think and that happened to be on Black Friday, so I think that was it. Well, there
0: we go. I have to say, says Joey, wow, if I'm being honest, I've always been a bit too proud to pay for presets. I'm a photographer, I can do it myself, that sort of thing. And I enjoy the Fujifilm simulation so much, it just seemed a bit unnecessary. But Kev, (laughs) I like this, uh, in brackets, and Neil, of course, have done so much for me this year. My constant companions on the bike ride to my office and studio, keeping the artist's spirit buzzing while so much has ground to a halt, that when I saw the sale, I thought, well, I'll spend the 50 quid, thank you very much. But these are so much more than presets. They mix and match looks, so you can combine a layer on top of one another for countless variations. So much fun! Really glad I picked them up. There we go. Mm. From, from Joe. Good. And he said, and and, and,
1: "They've done remarkably well. I'm very pleased." Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. But you worked blooming hard on them, to be fair. It wasn't just like you slid a few sliders around. You did it properly, didn't you? Um,
1: yeah, I, don't I did. And, and, and actually, one of the, I get a lot of questions like, "When will you do them for Capture One?" And, and unfortunately, Capture One just doesn't support. The, um, the, the profiling, the lookup table stuff that, that Lightroom does yeah. so it's not an easy thing although Capture One is coming out with a new version soon so maybe, 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 maybe they will
0: There was a footnote at the end here and Neil, if there's anything you're offering as well please let us know Well, I, I do actually have Hold on uh,
1: You'll do your foot rub for a fiver
0: uh, yeah. I have a 35mm here that, that needs um, a Fuji One that's been here for ages Somebody left it here once, never picked it up <laughs> uh hysterical you can have it for a tenner um and the other one was from steve pereira bump to the front here hi guys enjoying the podcast quick question hopefully i'm using oh it is a question actually i'm using the x100v as my main carry round. i really use the uh i'm really enjoying using the custom settings to quickly adapt the camera to whatever picture i'm trying to take landscape portrait action etc what i've noticed though is the customization doesn't let me identify settings like perspective metering self-timer single or multi-frame if i make one change like moving to square in one-to-one format in monochrome then all my custom settings they switch to it as well even if i save a change and update the specific custom mode it still affects all of the different settings am i doing something wrong from steve
1: no no that's how it works yeah the custom settings will only store certain things Um, mostly the stuff that affects the jpegs so um, other stuff, yeah, it will will kind of change accordingly. Yeah. You'll need to set those manually.
0: So if it goes one to one, then the, the whole thing it's a universal thing. Then
1: yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. it doesn't doesn't store things. Like, so things like um, uh, like file size and all that kind of stuff is is yeah. is independent. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Your question, Kev. Okay, so I'm digging into the Facebook group. uh, The very, very lovely, and the ever increasingly ever big, growing all (laughs) kinds of big, growing large things. The many uh, words big I can throw into that sentence. Are you filling for time while you're (laughs) thread?
0: Has grown actually. How many members are there now? Ten thousand eight hundred and seventy, or something?
1: Oh, I don't know about members. <laughs> hang on, let me have a quick look. That's a very good point. Stand by. One thousand six hundred and oh, fifty members. Amazing. So the group is uh, is growing nicely. Thank you very much for everybody that is in there. Of course, you don't mm. need to be in the Facebook group to leave a question. No. You can do that in the no. normal manner. No. No. Um, but the questions are growing. Yeah, we've got loads. So I was my original plan last week. I started just started from the top and worked my way down. But then I thought, hang on. By the time we we keep. Doing that, The ones at the bottom, it's going to be months and months and months before we get there. So I'm just going to do it totally randomly. Are you randomising? I'm randomising. Yeah. Eight. This is from Keith Martin. I don't shoot many weddings, mainly events, boxing, live music, etc. It's been a while and frankly, I'm feeling rusty and jaded. However, I have just landed the job next spring. With vaccines in the pipeline, we could see stuff start to happen more regularly. What are you going to do to ensure that you get out match fit from the start and don't end up (laughs) using the first gigs to get back up to speed?
0: Right.
1: Mm. Does he mean match fit as in
0: physically fit? I guess so, yeah. and also
1: maybe visually fit. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Good I question, spe- that. Yeah. I mean, I've been using my cameras. I don't, I don't feel I need to do anything to familiarise my, my myself back into the game in, in terms of, well, technically anyway. have been doing a, a little bit of filming. Um, I've been making pictures more often now, uh, doing the, the photo walks for the Friday editions of uh, Photography Daily Podcast, so that's helped, I think. Uh, and I do think, Kev, that, that once that first shutter is pressed at, at an event, personally, I think I'll be back in the game. We're, we're going for a family walk since uh, we can meet parents-in-law outside. So, so I'll probably make a photo story of that tomorrow. Those those kind of things. So feel fairly up to you know fairly up to speed with that. I mean, physically. Hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, f- f- um, physically, I did. Uh, you know, in March and April, I made the grand statement that. Can't do anything else. This is the time to get that body back into sort of uh, into yeah. into in, into the fit the fit regime. Well, the fit regime was due to start. He never did. It never did, Kev. It never really started. We got hot <laughs> summer, and frankly, at the end of a day when you'd sort of sat here handling cancellations, um, he <laughs> wanted to go and sit out on the bench and have a beer.
1: At the end of the day, at the end of breakfast. (laughs) Uh, I know. I mean, let's face it, Neil. Me and you, we're just basically fat, middle-aged, lazy men. (laughs)
0: Like someone I know. Don't be rude. It's not all about you. (laughs)
1: uh, You've got to change that. I know. (laughs) But you're still in charge for the moment. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I, I had similar ambitions about fitness, and and actually, I was doing really well. I was hitting the gym during the, between the lockdowns. You were. was going okay, and mm. then my foot got bad again. And then oh, anyway, but I did go to the gym yesterday, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm feeling relatively <laughs> confident. I can I can carry on again now. Feeling good, good. Uh, um, yeah,
0: I mean, uh, but what about um, equipment wise? Are you do you need to do anything? Do you need to add anything? Are you happy? I need are to you ready? On
1: memory cards, right? Uh, oh, really? Because I don't know where they are. I, I in fact. I've got two weddings coming up in the next couple of weeks funny enough. Um so I need to desperately find my memory cards or oh. <laughs> buy some new ones. Yeah. So I need to figure that out. But yeah, photography wise, I uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think I'll need to um yeah i don't know I, you know the things that are going to freak me out so i've got a wedding in um on saturday in fact right, on okay. the um just a two-hour one in, in in that there london <laughs> all masked up and various things no, like fact, that I'm there the day after in that there london yeah and um see, I'll see you i there. was originally i was due to be in scotland on a big two-day wedding this was this was going to be a big old wedding for me up in scotland but now i've got a two-hour wedding in west london instead but I will, yeah, I think for me it would be things like remembering to to wear a belt. Now, that seems very peculiar. But the amount of times I've gone to a wedding and forgotten to put a belt on, really? and then I have nowhere to put my memory card holder oh. and my, my little um, thing that I use to now, hold my, my little X100.
0: Now, this is a very real consideration because I'm the same, but I have, because I put the hook, the special hook over the belt, if I mm. don't have my belt then mm. I don't know what to do with the second camera because it doesn't have a strap. It has just the little a thing underneath that holds it onto the
1: belt. I so, know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I've, left, I've got a belt, a proper belt belt around your waist belt in my camera bag, a spare one. But that's from about three years ago. And, and uh, you know, <laughs> I'm a little bit more svelte now. I'm actually a <laughs> <lot> <laughs> less. Less svelte. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Oh, more svelte or less svelte? No, no you're, more. Oh, yeah. You're no, more I svelte. was
0: terrible. I was terrible. You room. weren't that bad. Yeah. You really weren't yeah um yeah so well there we go but that, that, that's kev's top tip uh, make you sure you, your belt. make sure your belt <laughs> is in your camera bag i asked a, a photographer the other day i i it was a, a wildlife photographer and I asked him uh what the most important piece of uh, kit that he carries around in his bag is I, I don't ask many kit questions so i thought well can i ask a kit question that's a little bit different that isn't like what what camera do you carry and uh and he, he thought about it for a second. And I said, Well, what, what's the most important thing you carry around in your camera bag, when you're photographing and all over the world and with you know, with your wildlife stuff, he said, um, luck, <laughs> and that was, <laughs> that was it. that's the thing that he has to remember to pack that's uh, actually a very very good answer I like that, luck, don't forget the luck yeah, yeah don't forget the luck, it's down there he puts it between dividers though so it doesn't get damaged Kev <laughs> oh yeah my luck would be battered <laughs> uh, here's one from was that your question, it was wasn't it, here's one from uh, John Watts in London uh, dear gents love the podcast, Yada yada yada. in brackets, I actually do, thanks Long-time listener, first-time asker. Ah, oh, we well, are very, very welcome. Following on from last week's question about Christmas presents, would you ever ask Santa for an Instax Mini or an SP3 Square Insta- instant printer to-, to pair with your Fujifilm camera? Or do you not like that medium at all? And, stroke, or do you like instant medium but believe that it should come from a- an instant camera rather than a digital, thus not allowing you to reshoot bad pics? Or are you not really that bothered at all? I know Zach Arias loves them, but just interested in your take on them. I have an Instax 70, and I like that I'm forced to accept what I shoot. I can't just take a whole load of shots to get it right like I would usually. And I'm, I'm tempted to get a printer as well. John Watts. Um, oh, I like the Instax uh, stuff, actually. And I know you used to use it, and I, I kind of followed you a little bit by taking a printer to a wedding, and... Um, and and firing off some uh, some prints that you could just give them, you know, five or six prints that that they could have at the at the table while they were were eating and could see some stuff from earlier during the day. The prints were yeah. never as good as a you know a, a, a proper print that you would take out of a photo printer, but it. But they were quite nice and kind of like peg-worthy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I like the Instax stuff. I don't have the square. I love the look of that square one, but I've, I've um, that's quite a new one, I think. And, you know, so you're not going to buy things like that right now. But, yeah, that does look very exciting. I quite like the look of that. Um, I, I, I do have the Instax... Um, First one, I think, or the second one, I can't remember. Anyway, and I did use take it to weddings. Like you said, in fact, you came one day to make a little documentary with me yeah. and, and saw me yeah. doing that. Yeah. Um, and then one day I did it at a wedding. And, I, I, and you're right, the prints are not, you know, they're not great quality. And they're not meant to be. They're meant to look retro. You know, they're a little bit glazed and stuff. And I, I, I handed it over and the groom looked at it and he went, hmm, hope the, hope the, fin- hope the rest of them are better than that. <laughs> oh, no, did he? <laughs> Yeah, so I never oh, did it again. Right. Okay. Um, so, but the kids, the kids love it. Yeah, I, I, the kids, they haven't done it for a while. Often I'll buy them some print, uh, some packets of print for Christmas, but I don't know. I feel like maybe they've moved on from that now. I yeah. feel like that might just be stuck in the bottom of the cupboard, and Albie will stick his face on the flight sim, and Rosa mm-hmm. will go and
0: feed a horse or something well yeah we i've got i've got an instax camera in fact i think i've got a couple of instax camera uh, cameras and thomas used to use them but now he's got the x100f which he won't give back to me um Ah, (laughs) that's it it has disappeared what did he say he taught me how to do something on it the other day that i didn't know it could do i can't remember what it was. he's probably managed
1: to get minecraft on the back or something from thomas yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that would be good
0: Thank you very much, uh, John, for your question. Kev, uh, yours. Uh,
1: okay, this is a question from Carl Farana. He says, hello, guys. Hope you're well. Quick question about SD card recovery, uh, dot, 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 dot. You know you know, when, it, when there's the word recovery in SD and then dot, 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 you know yeah. there's a bad story can yeah. happen. I deleted some raw files in error. Oh, no. Uh, so I wondered if there was a free, free in capital, software which would enable me to restore these files. Whatever program I have found on a Google search requires buying a software license and don't really want to do that just for a small number of files. Thanks very much, Joe, in advance, Carlo. Oh, that's a nice way of ending. I like that. I'm going to end all my sentences now. In thanks very much, Joe, in advance, Carlo. That's
0: good. I used to have a friend that used to say thanks muchly. Thanks much, (laughs) Steve. This is quite nice. It depends depends how much you need these pictures, really, doesn't it, I suppose? I've
1: recently been through this. Oh, Um, have you? So, not for myself, but for a a very good friend of mine who who basically lost a lot of stuff on an SD drive. Uh, Sorry, a um, uh, a pen drive rather than an SD card.
0: (laughs) Kev, that sounds like it
1: happened to you in that kind of like... I'm no. asking
0: for a friend,
1: kind of way. Asking for a
0: friend, yeah. No,
1: it definitely wasn't me. I promise you. Uh, however, it, it, I did end up spending a, a few days dealing with this, and uh, I used to use the the one that used to come with the uh, SanDisk stuff. Uh, I think it's called Rescue Pro, and you, whenever you got an, an SD card from SanDisk, you would get a license code for it. So, I, I, and that used to work fine. I, I joined off. I went. I went and downloaded it for him. I stuck it on his computer. And it didn't work. It it just doesn't seem to work these days. And and there's loads of stuff on the internet about it not being great anymore. So he these files were really important, like properly important. Um. So in the end, and I know that Carlos says free. He wants it to be free. I ended up finding a piece of software. Oh, that's my computer b- binging because I'm loading it up. All right. So I can find out what it's called. Okay. And, and I did end up buying it because it was the only software that I could find that worked. And it's called IBSoft Data Recovery. Small I, B-E-E, as in bzz, soft data recovery. I think it was about $80. I, I really can't remember. Right. However, so this, this drive he sent me, I'd, I'd done all kinds of recovery. I couldn't find a file. It was just, it was gone. Um, and then I read a review about this thing, this piece of software, IBSoft Data Recovery. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll give it a fling. So I downloaded the free version, uh, which you can do, and it found literally all of the files. It took eight hours to scan this drive, oh. but it found the files. Right. And, of course, with the free version, you can't recover them. You can only see them. So I paid for it, and and we got all the files back. So 80 quid. You know, yes, it might only be a couple of files now, but you never know when you need it in the future. And I think if those images are important enough to warrant you needing them back now, then 80 quid is 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 a wise investment. Mm. Uh, It seems to be really good that, that I'd never even heard of it um ibisoft data recovery i suppose
0: really with data recovery the, the whole process of, of reason for data recovery is that there's some sort of value attached to it so it's not really going to come with a free price ticket is it
1: well there are lots and lots of free what they claim to be free on the internet and as carl has found out none of them really work very well and, and it, usually it takes you to websites where it's like how to download how to recover your sd oh, card God, click yeah. this link to download yeah. this free piece yeah. of software yeah, then on. you go to a website and it, it throws up a picture of a or something and what? you know and, and then your your entire internet gets deleted and, and the kids move out and stuff <laughs> get, you have a wild imagination <laughs> um okay yeah.
0: well, we'll be, be careful with those searches yeah be careful <laughs> be careful out there who used to say that what program was that be, you be careful out there don't know oh. wasn't a little house on the prairie though no definitely not Um, One from Andreas Noah Hi Kev Oh this is for you really Kev I attended last week's Zoom sesh with uh, Martin Parr In which he presented His newest book From the Pope To a Flat White What a great title Um, I I recognise your name Among the attendees So I assumed You were there too Were you there You were weren't you I, wasn't. Yeah, I must admit, I felt really special to be one of 300 people together on a Zoom call with real Martin Parr. I'm working in the home office uh, for for nine months now in Germany. I spend several hours a day working in web conferences. And this was by far the most interesting one <laughs> since all this began. My question, I really like the old pictures from rural Ireland in the 80s and the 90s um, in the in the book, taken at ballrooms and horse fairs, etc. But I must admit, I didn't really like the newer pictures taken in Dublin, especially at the startup companies. Do you think this is because they currently lack nostalgia and will in some decades become almost as amazing uh, pictures as the, the older ones in the book? It's a bit like a, I suppose, a, a, a wine gathering years and becoming vintage.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's a really interesting point because that book was very nearly today's um, book review, uh, From a Pope to a Flat White, because I've got that, and it is Martin Parr's latest book, but it will be next week's review book, um, and, well, possibly, and yeah, it's so the 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 presentation, by the way, f- was for people members of the Martin Parr Foundation, and I think once once they've kind of offered it to those people, then it's open to the public. And he, he essentially just came on and talked about this this new book that he's published. And it was very interesting because I, I agree um, with with him there in that the older stuff was the stuff that I was really keen on because you don't see much of Martin Parr's old black and white stuff these days. You, you know, you can see it in the archives, but you, you don't, you, it's not the stuff he pushes out there these days. It's very, very, very different. Yeah. and And I agree. I was looking at some of those pictures. And I was thinking, wow, these are great, you know, I really love those. And then, of course, so the whole idea is he goes from, um, I think it's 1979 when the Pope visited Ireland and his time in Ireland around that. He lived in Ireland for a couple of years and then all the way up to to kind of modern time. And the book ends with a picture of a flat white, of course, as it sounds. And, uh, yeah, the the end of it is, uh, you know, much more modern, digitalized color. Yeah. And I think I think perhaps. He's right. You know, I think it might be nostalgia because the pictures there then, and we've said this a million times, you know, those pictures that people took in the 60s and 70s at the time, people might have looked at them and thought, "Hmm, hang on, well, I see that every day. But now we look at them and we think, oh, yeah, do you remember so, yeah. yeah, nostalgia. benign picture of today is the nostalgic picture of tomorrow. Absolutely. I mean, that's, one, one, that's, that's a fact. One day, um, I
0: mean, we often talk, I know you do, often talk about mobile phones as being a, one of those distinguishing factors of a photograph taken at, at a particular. Yeah. But, but one, one day, of course, we, we won't be using mobile phones. We'll just be talking into um, our arms, um, yeah. you know, my, microchips in our arms. Which, taped up. which of course we're all having through the injection if you would uh, if you were believe if, if, if you would believe the stuff that you read on twitter
1: yeah <laughs> i'd say it's, re- it's really funny they're gonna they're gonna solve all crimes like by the end as soon as the vaccines are done also all crimes are going to be solved because they'll have got everybody's dna <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah just ring bill up bill where's my wife i'll oh, just check on the database <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, uh, right oh, no we shouldn't be we shouldn't no. be prudish
0: about that uh, well i don't believe we're being prudish um but <laughs> shall we move <laughs> on um i think we've got time for for one more question from from you kev then it's into uh,
1: this week's interview with pete reed <laughs> okay so i will i'm going to randomly go up the list and i'm going to stop here okay and this is a question from jonathan clapton and he says question for both of you What single piece of positive feedback has most motivated, encouraged, and spurred you on in your photographic careers? What was it? Who was it from? And when? Could be a client, mentor, other photographer, family, or anyone, in fact. For me, probably two people.
0: Keith Bernstein um, said something really nice when we were doing the Fujicast daily. I think he told me off, didn't he? In some respects, told me to 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 stop beating myself up because he'd Mm. been looking at the portfolio and picked out some stuff that he really liked, and that really, I mean, that coming from Keith, a Mm. seasoned photojournalist. Um, mm. And somebody who fella, I respect A Fellow red shoe wearer. Fellow red shoe wearer for you, that's right. <laughs> and then Giles Penn found me, old mucker Giles Penfound, who often pulls me up uh, when I'm a bit self-derogatory and says, look, can I just point out this, 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 and this picture? And he's he's very good like that. But, you know, sometimes I think you need look no further than the test. And I said this to you earlier uh, during the, uh, well, last week, Kev, uh, for reasons you may or may not want to go into. But, uh, you know, sometimes just, you know, open the filing cabinet. in fact i can do it for real kev there's one here called testimonials take out the testimonials file have a look in it and read what people say because if you're a photographer um i'm betting that you've probably kept a little file with words of encouragement from people whose lives you have affected in some way look and there's loads in here but I mean, I've been doing it 15 years, so I'd hope there would be a few. But that's what you need to read. That's that's the stuff that that will feed you at those moments where you think, "I, I need a pep talk. I need a serious talking to myself."
1: Yeah, I, I guess that's that's very true. I mean, I've got uh, as I've been analysing this question, I've got a, a few little takes on this. Might take a little bit longer than. We anticipated. <laughs> Stand by. So, first of all, the question. So, the question he said was, w- "What feedback has motivated you the most?" So, um, you know, that that yes, the referrals and stuff, uh, the testimonials and stuff. And honestly, I get, um, which makes me very proud. I get a lot of messages on Instagram and on on YouTube Messenger and all that kind of stuff from people from all around the world, and and just saying, you know, really nice things. For example you know i'm gonna i just pick one out that came through yesterday uh, and i'm not gonna read it all but it says hello kevin decided i'd write to you i wanted to say uh, i came across your daily life uh, photography black and white video two weeks ago i'm an amateur photographer put the camera down in 2019 i said i'm not doing this anymore i was mainly taking fitness photos at my gym blah 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 your videos lit a fire in my ass <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you've killed kev <laughs> who killed kev <laughs>
1: um it's not the rona i promise you it's not a continuous cop um and then uh, and then anyway it goes on to say that you know like it's it's affected his his whole life and his family and he's no photographing and everything so things like that i think uh, are really nice uh, uh, you know that's that's really nice and i always reply to people on on instagram messenger and everything uh, and then you know that's that's the kind of motivation i get it's not so much Uh, You know, I did a I did and we won't go into the details so much, but I did a portfolio I had my pictures reviewed just recently by somebody a paid for thing And uh, it was it was eye-opening to say the least and and it was motivational But it was you know, it was it's different in when you have a professional photographer looking at your work They're looking at it from a professional point of view But when you have totally random strangers from this guy, I think was from ecuador uh, you know it's telling you that you know what you've done is 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 really helping them Then then that's a you know and, and the same thing mm. will be for you with the photography daily, you know There'll be people who, who it's having a, a direct impact on yeah The thing that pushes me the most um, Is something that my 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 nana always used to say to me ever since I was a tiny everything since I can remember Now she's long dead obviously But she always used to say to me and she used to write it in my christmas cards and everything like that is Keep pushing that's all she would write. Keep pushing. Oh, oh that's nice. Um, and and that that's something I always remember. Yeah, always remember oh, that. Oh, raise a glass to uh, Nana. There we go. Yeah, good on Nana. Um, and that was the dedication in in my little X 100s book that I wrote as well. Was was keep pushing. Keep pushing. You know, and, and I think that's that's the thing, isn't it? You 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 need to have motivation from multiple angles.
0: I've just um, thought. I've just thought of another one that I'd like to mention, actually, from um, uh, Miss Harriman, who I interviewed on the Photography Daily over the last couple of weeks. He's the uh, he's the first black male photographer to have a front cover, um, the front cover picture in Vogue, British Vogue magazine. 104 years that magazine's been around. This is the first time that that's happened. They have had uh, has have, has had a front cover from a female black photographer, but this. So there was a you know, and this particular uh, time um, where um, you know things have been happening over the last year uh, that have been very pivotal in our history, um, for Miss Anne, and for misan and that was that was really really important. And I, I was I was thrilled to have a chat with him, and we talked about that front cover. We talked about the work that he did on Black Lives Matter, etc Then at the end, he threw a bit of a googly, uh, which in cricket terms means something you're not quite expecting. Um, and that he said, uh, "Open up, open up your mobile phone, look at your messages." And um, there was a message that he sent me back in 2019. So before any any of this stuff had happened to him, um, and this sort of elevation to success had happened to him, he sent me a message um, that was uh, essentially he'd, he'd watched a film that I'd made on YouTube about Mark Seymour, who'd been covering um, his father's death from dementia. It was a photo story, and it was a um, quite a moving film, I think. And yeah, I mean, hats was- hats off to Mark. But he he you know I might I might I may have made the film, but he he made the film by by the story, of course. And Miss Anne had sent me a, a, a message Saying that that had moved him greatly um, And uh, I hadn't seen the message I hadn't seen the message um, properly And so he, he brought that to my attention And said look you know, We all make a difference um, You never know when you're going to make that difference But that was a difference that was made to Miss Because that, that film particularly moved him As a photographer So you're right You never know when you're going to make a difference And sometimes you'll make a difference And you won't even realise you're doing it um, yeah. That's really really important Right. Should we have our interview? Should we... Should we um, this is... Uh, I almost feel like I want to call these When Kevin Met as a series. <laughs> when-
1: my interviews, my interview technique is very different to yours.
0: <laughs> what do you mean by that?
1: Well, I just roll in like a great big <laughs> elephant, you know, banging around the room, and, <laughs> and, yeah, and you're, very, you're very <laughs> mellifluous and, and considered. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. And when I edit my interviews, I spend... I have to, like, delete almost half of it of me waffling
0: (laughs) all right right. (laughs) well with that disclaimer here (laughs) when kevin met pete reed
1: he is a triple olympic gold medal rower oxford blue mbe obe six foot eight he's an all round nice guy and perhaps most importantly in my opinion an incredible photographer too we've got pete reed pete welcome to the show hey thanks kevin it's so good to speak to
2: you mate really really good to be on so thanks for the warm welcome and and, and all that stuff i'm <laughs> smiling to myself like, but thank you so much that's really nice
1: see we are a photography podcast and uh, not a rowing podcast however you know it would be churlish not to talk about that and talk about your journey i think basically if i summed your life up in in a very in one sentence it would be something like this uh, in 2001 you joined the navy Got on a boat, posted the fastest ergo set, and then within what six, seven years, you were winning a gold medal at the Beijing Olympics. Is that is that sum it up pretty accurately?
2: Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty. Good. I joined the navy in uh, ninety nine, actually. Um, started, I, but I started rowing in two thousand and one, and and then in 2000, 2005, we won the world championships. Yeah, and then two thousand eight, we won the Olympics. Amazing. So so quick. Um, uh, and and I just. I promise you, mate. I just got lucky. I really got lucky. I was rowing with better people my whole career, and uh, got in, got into a boat with three monsters for that for that Olympic final in Beijing, two thousand and eight. Yeah, it was it, it was quick
1: uh well i think you can get lucky once but i don't think you can get lucky three times so uh you know i think we'll we'll we'll, we'll take that with a pinch of salt but of course there must be uh some uh, amazing memories there how did you suddenly think one day know, yeah, i'm going to take a camera with me and, and i'm going to document all this stuff where did where did the camera come from in your life oh uh
2: i think uh, my my mother yeah my mother's an artist and my dad's an engineer and and I've got I think I've got the the nice bits of both of them you know they're, they're amazing people and I I just always thought that photography might be a thing but never really took it seriously um, and like so many people I think I went through uh, a departure lounge going on one of my first training camps with the senior team in 2006 and went into Dixon's and asked the sales assistant what I should buy and he said buy this Nikon D80 it'll be perfect as a introduction camera and in modern modern Nikons that's like a d3500 so Mm the entry the entry level dslr uh, with a kit zoom lens and then off I went and and I just I just started taking photos of things and I quite enjoyed it and and carried on taking photos of things and and continuing to enjoy it and um and then I I sort of progressed if we're talking about my photography history I got into this really horrible position which i, I try and i talk about uh, a little bit publicly to anyone interested in photography who follows me that i got into this really horrible um i needed to buy a better camera or a different lens or a better lens i needed to have more gear to be a better photographer and i i, was, I read reviews online i got suckered in and i just thought if only i had that lens then i'd be as good as kevin mullins and it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't true it was never true but i had stacks of gear um so i went to So full frame Nikon gear, I had a a Nikon D800 for a while and then a D810. I had a D4 as well. This like monster paparazzi sports camera that wasn't fit for purpose at all. And I was taking it it with me on training camps and I felt guilty. I felt guilty every time that I got it out to take photos. I felt guilty because I should be either training or resting or eating. That's what I should be doing. (laughs) And, and, um, I couldn't justify having this at one point i had a, a nikon d4 with a 24 to 70 f 2.8 lens and it was just massive I, I couldn't justify having it in my kit bag so i bought uh, i read the review and thought i need this camera and i bought a a my first um fujifilm camera which was a an x100s and and i had it with me all the time it was with me all the time. And suddenly I just started taking more pictures and more bad pictures. But then you take more bad pictures and take more good ones. And and I, I think that's probably a familiar kind of story for so many people who shoot with Fujifilm. Their way in is just they have a camera with them all the time and they fall in love with it.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right, and I, I think that X100S was the gateway for a lot of people to the mirrorless system. You know, you said that you needed to be either training, resting, or eating. Now, I'm very good at resting and eating. Uh, training is a bit, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit more difficult. Um, but when you're doing your when you were on your camps, how did the coaches and and perhaps the the other uh, the other crew members think? You know, there you are, kind of camera in hand, ergo in one hand, camera in the other hand. Um, yeah,
2: I think tricky and mixed and it, and it made me really sort of try and read the situation every time I had my camera out. So especially with Jürgen Grebler, who was the chief coach, you know, that we were, he, he had, he had all of the strings. He was the selector and the coach, the chief coach and, and the guy that you really needed to impress to make selection for any crew for world cups or world championships or olympic games No, i always felt i think i felt self-conscious to be honest if i had my camera with me and and he was watching then i sort of i felt i felt guilty to the rest of the team as well but i think the the more people see you with the camera and the more they see you training as well and see you resting and and perform critically performing and also being uh, not being in any way duplicitous with your with your photographs, if you can give them nice images and and they look they look good, you know, th- then suddenly you're associated with your camera and it becomes normal. And I think as long as it doesn't get in the way of your performance and what you're doing, that it was very well received, particularly towards the end. And now, my goodness me, now I wish I didn't have those insecurities. I wish I'd taken more photos more often, um, and I, I wish I had a bigger library. Uh, because I, at the time, it felt very normal what, what we were doing. But now I look back and think it, it wasn't normal. It, it was it was exciting. And, and just being in a changing room or a meeting room or in the boathouse behind the scenes, those are rare opportunities of access to something really special that went on in my life. And um, I, I would have given myself a kick and said, you know, take, take more pictures, take more pictures of Jürgen. And, and the two of us now are Uh, are very very close and I wish I had more pictures of him
1: that's true for a lot of people isn't it i know neil says the same thing he used to work for the bbc and he he found himself in lots of different places on tours with bands and stuff and, and just you know has the same kind of regrets but but i think looking through your instagram obviously i look at your instagram a lot but uh, over the last few days in preparation for this i've been digging right back into the into the depths of it and and it's it's very historical there's a story to it and you can almost see uh, the journey there's even some wedding photos there at the at the beginning i think um, the pictures you've taken at other people's weddings. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so maybe, maybe there's a career there in the, in the future. Of course, where you are is uh, you, you know you have a, a privilege in as such that you're in this environment. not many people are in those environments. but the pictures you take or have taken, are incredible. I mean, really, really incredible. Uh, great light, great composition, and then most importantly, a really interesting moment in all of those pictures. One of your pictures was on the on the cover or the inside cover of the two hundred years history of the Leander Club. Is that right?
2: Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that that's that's one of the very first pictures I took with my X 100s S, um, and I use that as an example sometimes. Uh, I I'll share it with you. Um, because I had my X100S with me. I just drove down in the morning, saw this beautiful light, and I had my X100S with me. I didn't have my Nikon stuff that was in a a cabinet back at home. So I I took that photo and then went to training and then saw later on how good the image quality was from it. And I think that image was decision-made. That that was the, the, the emotional decision to sell all of my Nikon gear, which is hard to do because you sort of admit that you were wrong, um and no one likes admitting they're wrong um but then that yeah that was the end of all of my 1.4 g lenses and heavy cameras and heavy bits and pieces and i for a while i just had that one camera and i was so happy with it
1: you're part of the history of the leander cup so for those that don't know the leander club is i suppose the home of british rowing i guess probably one of the most famous places uh in terms of rowing in the world and you know you're part of that history because of your achievements but also, the fact that you're documenting it and the photographic journey is part of that history as well. So I think that's incredible.
2: Yeah, thanks so much, Kevin. I, I, I really am proud to be, I'm still a member, a life member of Leander Club in Henley-on-Thames. And it, it's uh, the oldest rowing club in the world. Um, and, and that picture to go in the book, uh, it, it, it's, it's truly amazing to be a, a little part of um, their history um, and and uh, you know, to, to serve the club for my time, um, but it's a, it's a, f- a funny one with my own photography. You're, you're very, very generous about my photography, and I'm, I promise I'm not fishing for, for compliments. But I, I just can't see it. I know I've taken a lot of images um, uh, over the years, and uh, an awful lot of bad ones. But I think I always look to to other people for for inspiration, and just think mine aren't as good as those. And um, and uh, Fujifilm had a competition up recently. You, you'll like this, actually. Fujifilm had a competition to win v And for the first time ever, I entered a, a, a photography competition. You just had to submit an image from an X100 series camera um, mm-hmm. online and just pop it in. And uh, so I, I logged in and sent an image in and had to choose one. But it meant that I had to go through a back catalogue of X100 series Photos, I find it. I find it so hard to choose. I, I can't objectively analyse my own images. I nearly sent some to you actually to say, you know, this is my top ten. I think. What do you reckon? And I, and the um, that picture of Leander was in in the. In fact, it was in the top four. It was a big leap of faith entering any sort of um, photography competition because I think, like so many photographers out there, you've just got this um, these inhibitions or this insecurity about being judged and I, I i probably got that from my whole life as a rower you know uh, performing constantly but the the being judged thing you putting your work out there it takes a real leap of faith um and i think i need to be a bit tougher about doing that and because that makes you a better photographer
1: yeah uh, you're quite right about the the pressure and you know we all do take bad pictures of course we do but i wonder if that's you know that that kind of attitude perhaps is something to do with the uh you know, the relentless training as an athlete and the, and the fact that you had to, uh, you know, you had to do everything that what you were told to do. And maybe that, that level of expectation is, is there in your photography too, perhaps.
2: Yeah, I, I don't doubt it. I mean, we're, we're dangerously close to psychoanalyzing me here, uh, which would be a fun podcast in itself. I'm sure that's right. You know, if you spend, if you spend most of your young developmental adult life being judged and uh, in a high performance environment, then it's it's bound to carry on to all sorts of bits and pieces afterwards, um, and I and I think I see that with my photography as well. But the I think the point to the photography is I I just enjoy having a camera with me. I, I really enjoy it, and I always think if a picture's worth taking, it's worth taking on on an actual camera rather than just your phone. I, I'm trying to put my phone away and and just have my camera with me all the time, and. I enjoy it it, make, it makes me sort of mindful and um quite peaceful and uh, it makes makes me think of having a bit of a strategy or um a bit of a project you know there's uh, i find it quite yeah. comforting
1: uh no 14 15 months ago your your life changed quite dramatically
2: in early september 2019 i had a spinal stroke and they're very very rare i don't think anyone needs to worry about it so that they're they account for one percent of all strokes, and, and strokes are rare. But anyway, what it means is um, the the blood flow that supplies your spinal cord with oxygen um, gets impinged, and so y- your spinal cord gets starved. So what I have now is a an area of dead cells in my spinal cord. So messages that I send down to the lower part of my body just don't get there. So my I can mercifully I can still think clearly, and my arms and my shoulders and down to chest level is still strong. But from just the line below my chest, uh, so all of my torso and my legs are now paralysed. And I I can't tell you what a shock that was. uh, uh, To go from standing in the middle of a podium just three years before the Olympic Games to lying in a hospital bed, not being able to even sit up, even a little bit. I could lift my head and lift my shoulders, but I I couldn't do a sit-up. And it's it 's terrifying, you know um, you go back to being you needing care like a baby needs care in the over a period of about ten minutes of of pain and and motion loss and um, yeah, my partner Jeannie was with me, and I had amazing care from the NHS uh, this is before the pandemic saga, of course, um, the NHS are incredible. I went to a spinal unit in Salisbury from the hospital in dereford and had some Education, I suppose. The education part is just how to manage life now with, with paralysis. So you need to learn to take care of all of your bodily functions and systems, which completely change. And then the, the idea is that you're you're educated to be an independent, yet thriving, fulfilled um, member of society that can go away and contribute. I'm still in the military, so I, I get access to military rehab and that's where we are right now, 2020. Um, through all of this pandemic and all this uncertainty, this horrible, horrible year for all of us, um, I've been grinding away with the team here to try and recover anything, any functional movement that I can get back. And um, it, it's it's a really exciting journey because there is progress. There's signs of functional gain. It's really slow and steady, but I've gone from zero movement below my chest to some, some really exciting. I mean, can I can I even plug my own social media? I, of I course. Don't need, I, I, don't, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't feel like I need followers. But if you're interested in how things are coming back, rather than me waffle on about it, I, I document. The journey and, and what we're doing how we're training and, and what functional movements are coming back and um, we're just starting to get to the stage where i can do an assisted stand so my, my poor little weak legs they they uh, they're not where they used to be but there's i mean there's more to life than strong legs and um i think i think we're handling ourselves very well
1: does that do you think the photography the elements of shooting are are helping you on this journey is is it did you pick a camera up almost straight away once you were able to after the after the incident
2: yeah almost straight away so i was i was desperate to get a good camera in my hands and and actually so Jeannie, my partner and i we, we were we had so much on and i was acutely ill in the very early, in the the first month or so um and so i, I wasn't able to have a camera but when she brought she actually she brought my x70 um, from home and it was it was like having an old friend with me it was it was just it was really nice So I started taking pictures of I mean what do you take pictures of your feet if you're just lying there um, or the the jug next to you but I said I sort of realized that those are the kind of interesting things that I'd like to look back on and I I do have a back catalogue of photographs from my hospital bed of just the things that I could see the the, the horrible view out of the window and the sink in the corner um, and I and I do. Ha- I mean, I wish I had more from my my Fujifilm cameras. Some of them in the early days were just from my phone, and we were busy documenting everything that was happening. But um, but it was reassuring to have my camera back. And and to answer your question, um, it's it does help me tell the story because I don't. I haven't grown up um, doing pieces to camera. I feel quite awkward when I'm. I'm looking into a camera and doing a video and speaking to people. I'd much rather um, have a photograph that I can talk through what I was thinking feeling seeing at the time um, and, and what what we're doing about these awkward situations and i and i I've tried to be I, I think some things aren't for social media I mean I'm not going to give my whole life away mm-hmm. um, but I have been as honest um, as I feel so not not as honest as um, as as open to to open the world of a spinal cord injury to the public because it's not because it's interesting I really want the public to know what it's like to have a spinal cord injury because so many people do and there's so little understanding of it and I I don't blame the public because I had no idea what it was all about when I was um, able-bodied either but um but it's it's fascinating and it's it's hard it's crippling to some people so part of the content I I really wish to educate people on what it means and um the trouble that that you go through in life and accessibility needs. The other key thing is uh, showing people who have just had a spinal cord injury that there is hope and there is there's a life afterwards it's It's a different life to your one before, but it doesn't mean it can't be better and it's It's worth fighting for and working for whatever your injury level, and never, never give up um because i mean if you no one will blame you if you give up apart from yourself quite frankly um and it, that's that's what i want to get out of it it's it's
1: worth the work i remember when i came to visit you um when you were when i don't know a few weeks afterwards and you introduced me to a gentleman called i think you called him little keith he was yeah. an artist yeah and um, I was scrolling through your Instagram the, the day before yesterday, I think. And I went right the way back to that time. And and there's a picture of, of little Keith with his pens and his pencils and everything. Uh, and I just thought, well, this is absolutely incredible. You know, everything that's going on in your world at the time, you're still making. And this is a beautiful picture of Keith. It's This isn't a snapshot. This is a well thought out, uh, well composed portrait and that must have helped, I suppose, in terms of giving you some, some kind of objectivity in terms of something to do as well as get, get you know, better and, and kind of recover.
2: Still, you're, you're absolutely right. And thanks for the shout out for, for little Keith. I mean, so Jeannie and I still talk about him as we do with so many patients and staff that we come across over the last year. We've, we've learned an awful lot. Um, and so taking photographs, it, it did... It did give me a sense of purpose and a, a bit of maybe an identity, something to latch onto. And so having a purpose and I think creating something or even doing something, quite frankly, at, at that stage, when you're, when you're that injured and that ill, just doing something is really good practice because when you do stuff, you do more stuff and you do more stuff. And then all of a sudden you get into this this lifestyle, this habit, this routine of, Doing and maybe from time to time achieving and um, and producing and creating, and the alternative to not picking up a camera and not having an identity and not doing stuff is it, it's it's too it's too grim to bear really you know if you get into the habit of not trying and not doing then you you go down a spiral quickly and and actually, I've got a lot to thank my camera for.
1: It can't just live on instagram forever pete. there must be there there must be exhibitions, books, all kinds of stuff in the in the long term goal for this. Um, you know it's such a, a powerful and beautiful story from from the beginning to where you are now
2: I, I, so I, I want to come and see you actually um so I've, i'm I'm so lucky i'm I'm close to fujifilm that that family and and I'm close with Paul Sanders and I'm close with you and, and Jonas, and um, I, I need your help. I think because I would love to, I would love to put some of this in a book or or an exhibition. But I think it's a failing of mine that I just feel a bit overwhelmed. That there's so much, there's so much going on in life. I'm still in the military, and I'm really excited about that direction. Um, but it can't, it can't be beyond me to to also put some images in a book and and just make some notes about what what i was thinking and feeling at the time um but the the hard thing for me would be choosing the images because at the start of this conversation we i, I explained why i find it difficult to choose images there's a there's a whole load there they're they're disorganized and, and i feel like i need to and get a bit of intimacy back with my my library
1: so finally I have uh, three relatively quickfire questions that, that I always ask people if you were 18 years old again what advice would you give yourself
2: I would say keep going through everything through all through all the ups and downs there'll be there'll be many many more downs and there will be ups but keep going no, no matter what
1: who is or perhaps what is the the greatest inspiration in your life um,
2: I, I mean, I, I think about my partner Jeannie all the time and she, her strengths are my failings. and I, I, She really is inspirational. People, well, the people that know her just adore her. They're, she's the shining lights of, of so many people's lives, but she's um, not a public figure. Yeah, I think I'm inspired by her all the time, mm. ev- every time. Um, and she's my motivation you know that the reason i want to do well get through this episode in a, a wheel episode in a wheelchair Wh- whatever this situation is now i want to make life good for the both of us for her um she's brilliant
1: yeah she is and she's got a six feet wide smile she is uh, very very lovely yeah. um okay one if you had one camera for the rest of your life what would it be it could be a camera you don't own
2: luckily i do own it uh, and it's an X100V. It's in front of me. Yeah. Um, oh, oh no! Can I change it? Can I change it? I'd say I don't. I don't care for all the tech and all the amazing stuff that's in the X100V. I'd still choose the X70. <laughs> I, 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 still, I still would. Um, so sorry, X100V. And, um, the X70, it's just got everything right. It's got everything right. Yeah, that's that's my
0: camera. Uh, thanks to uh, Pete Reed this week for uh, for chatting with our uh, with with for chatting with the governor, Kev. There we go. Um, and next week, actually, you've uh, it's uh, it, there's there's uh, your Parker Fister interview, which which has been sat there for ages.
1: Yeah, this was. <laughs> 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 there's a reason why we don't mention the the virus or anything in that interview because this was well before the virus yeah yeah uh, but
0: uh, there was a virus on the actual recording so we had to do some clever bits so but yep. but,
1: but it's uh,
0: it's coming out to a to a podcast near you next week actually on the on the fujicast right back to your questions um oh we should really say thank you to our our, our patrons shouldn't we um th- thank you yes. very much uh, for your for your support we will wear it always as morcom and wise used to say Um, And so there's a bump to the front one here from Kathy Myers uh, out of uh, one of our patrons. Um, Hi, Kevin. Hi, Neil. In response to your appeal for more questions. No need to bump to the front, though. Oh, but we have Kathy. Uh, My other favourite show is The Great British Bake Off. Oh, we we love that. And I'm not so keen... But only I like I like the program, but I don't know about you, Kev. But Great British Bake Off does that just just make you want to go to the cupboard and eat stuff? No, it makes
1: me want to turn the telly off. I hate it. Really? Yeah, oh, hate, what, it. Don't you hate like all it? that stuff. Yeah, oh, Kev. Yeah, I like the um, I like the cooking one, the proper cooking, not just cakes. You know, the um, chef one. <laughs> Kev, cooking cakes, is, cooking
0: cakes is proper uh, proper cooking, you
1: know. No, it's not. It's baking. It's <laughs> cooking is proper cooking. I like is that it? one. The oh. one with um, uh, what's it called? The the Master Chef. Master yeah, I like Chef. That one. yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes me hungry.
0: Okay, yeah. all right. Oh well, I, I we watch Bake Off, and I yeah, the kids love it. I know there's been a, a, a I know there's been a photography equivalent, but sadly it was on Sky, so I didn't see it. Uh, anyway, my question is, if you were being Paul and Prue. So, uh, just so you understand, uh, Kev, Paul and Prue are the, uh, the the main bakers and, you know, knowledge central on that show. And they're the ones that mark all the cakes as
1: they come out, you see. I thought it was that really old lady, the one who's really beautiful looking. <laughs> I thought it was that
0: really old lady, the one that's
1: really beautiful looking.
0: Well, <laughs> she's <laughs> old and beautiful. Trying to was her rescue. Was do, do you mean Mary Berry? <laughs> yeah, that's her. She's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yes. No, she left when, when it went from the BBC. Do you remember that there was Mel and Sue that were were the presenters of it? And it it was Paul... Isn't it Paul California or something? Paul Hollywood. (laughs) Paul Paul California, as you call him. (laughs) And uh, so uh, Paul and Mary were the judges, and he he had Mel and Sue that were the presenters. And then when it went to Channel 4... um, some people got including obviously mel and sue and mary were very i oh, can't take it away from the bbc It's dreadful uh, about it and uh, but paul stay paul california as you're calling him he stayed on and uh, so he was joined by Prue, and they uh, they now have two new presenters Anyway, you haven't watched it for a long time, but it's about baking. And Paul and Prue are the bakers, uh, are the the judges and bakers, actually. Anyway, uh, my question is, if you were being Paul and Prue, we'll get there, and setting a photography challenge to 13 budding photographers, what would it be and how many hours would they have on the clock? Also, who would you choose as your co-hosts to calm all the photographers down when the pressure's getting to them? Thanks very much for the Fuji cast from Kathy. Whew, that is a good question. It's a very good question, and we got there in the end, Kathy. Even though uh, Kev doesn't doesn't like the baking <laughs> aspect of it, <laughs>
1: pretend cooking.
0: We'd call um... it, we'd call this. Um, we couldn't call it bake off. We'd have to call it shoot off. Oh no, we can't call it that. That's, that... No, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. That would be late night. <laughs> It can't go. What would you call it, bouquet? Ah, <laughs> oh, me too. That's a very good idea. That's what I would call it.
1: Uh, I would. Well, this is because on my workshops, on my street photography workshops, uh, if I can remember that far back, we we do these, we do exercises all the time. But yeah. I, I'm trying to think what would be suitable for a baking show. Um, well, a photography
0: show, Kev. We do. It's not the baking. It's a, pho- ah, a photography right. okay. challenge. A photography yeah. challenge. I yeah. think. I, I mean, I'd I'd go bit straight laced i'm not sure if this is what kathy wants to hear but i i i think because um, it would be a, a test of um you know conf- general confidence if it's a street one so let's, let's call it a street one get out there go make yourself a portrait with the most interesting person you can find who tells you a story that you weren't expecting you got a whole day away you go hmm. six, yeah. six hours i give them six hours to bring back the most incredible story of life from From one person, okay, so you, you might have to you might have to you might have to photograph a few before you find that gem, or you might get that gem straight away in which come straight back and drink coffee for the rest of the day but that that would be a really good challenge, I think you know, one story, a portrait where you can look into their eyes and and really experience this person. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, that is good. I would do some. If I'm thinking of some of the exercises I set people, I would do. I would allocate them a shop window, and uh, they have to stand outside. They're not allowed to move. They have to face the shop window, so they're not in the shop window. They're facing the shop window from the street level, um, and they have to they have to create a story, series of images that tell the story of that 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 scene uh in a couple of hours yeah so they're not allowed to move the background is going to be the same in every picture but they need to tell a story yeah well, that's a nice that's, idea that's I what like, i would do probably I like that
0: there we go we've got a two-day course there kev we have when are we yeah, going to do it yeah, yeah, yeah. Should, when um, we're allowed. yeah when we're allowed let's do that course
1: and what was the other part of the question? Who
0: would we have as the uh, the, the presenters to uh, to look after everybody? I mean, we could do crowd control and, and have our very good admins, Steve Vaughan and Peter Kasbergen, because um, they'd they'd look. At, uh, Steve could tell them all about, about how to do a Zoom call, <laughs> 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 and and Peter could uh, um, Peter could tell them all about Formula One racing. There we go. That would that, that yeah. would that would entertain them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, the place would be very tidy. <laughs> it would be, yes, it would be. I don't know. Who would we have as the as the as the co presenters there? As the co-hosts. Gemma would be good. Gemma and Sam. They could look after the whole thing.
1: Yeah, and actually Gemma likes bake-off. Does she? Oh there we yeah. go.
0: And Sam does as well. So
1: mm, there there go, go. sorted. Yeah. So your question, Kev? Uh my question is randomly looking up and down. This is from Alex Frederiksen, um, good old Alex in Austria. Uh, she says, hi, guys. Thanks so much for the podcast, which really is the gift that keeps on giving with a mix of content, inspiration, yada, 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 uh, After the hundreds of weddings you've both shot, do you still occasionally mess up? Do you ever look mm-hmm. at an image and think, more should have done better than that? I'm talking about things that were in your control. If that happens, but you love the photo, even though it's not of the same standard as the rest of the images you're presenting to your clients, do mm. you or would you still give it to them? Ooh. <laughs> do you still mess up? Of course,
0: yeah. Let's be honest, even the greats would go out and spend a whole day and come back and think, oh, nothing there, really, nothing. Um, I messed up there because I missed that. Oh, I could have got that, but I was chimping. Uh, that one, I was just—I was the wrong side of the road. I could see that. I'm sure people have that all the time. Even the greats,
1: the great street. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, she's she's definitely kind of implying more about weddings. But yeah, I mean, you—we've all kind of looked at images and thought, ah, uh, missed the focus, or didn't quite frame it right, or you know, whatever. So yeah, of course, I think you you you're definitely going to do do that. And that's definitely going to be a thing. Yeah. Um,
0: for me it's all timing uh, that, that, If there's a mess up it's going to be a timing thing It's going to be a I knew that was happening Why am I here and why am I not over there mm. um, that, that for me They're, they're the
1: mistakes um, It's hard to quantify the ones that are within your control And outside of your control though Because often the timing ones are You know somebody's walked into the frame Or something yeah. and, and that's messed it up And that's that's out of your control then to a certain extent Because you could of course move but yeah i mean yeah you 're right it's it 's a bad day when you think that you're everything 's good everything 's great
0: I tell you what, it, yeah. t- it, it took me a while to get used to the aperture ring being on the camera. I shoot in aperture priority mode, so it, it's, <laughs> if if you 've moved the aperture around, and you haven 't spotted it you 've done it by seeing the the readout in the, in the in the screen in front of you. Then you know you shoot a whole load of low light stuff at f five point six or eight or eleven.
1: Even, you know, and you think,
0: oh, I needed to be at a shallower depth of field, and for some reason you haven't been there. That took me. I, used, while. To make, I that, used to make I used to make far that more. more
1: mistakes when I shot DSLRs back in the day. Okay. But And that was because I used to shoot manually, and you know, you'd set your ISO for inside the church, you'd come out, and because you couldn't see the exposure, you'd end up with you know really grainy stuff. Oh god, yeah, 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 Necessarily, Yeah. <laughs> Um. I think, I think uh,
0: for me, for me, that's a timing question. That's a kind of uh, you know, you think, oh, uh, and and uh, and I still do it, um, and I try not to, but we all do. Do we all do it? I don't know. Be be honest with yourself. That moment where you think, oh, I think I've nailed that. You look down your chimp pit, and you think, and, and what's actually happening in front of you at that moment is the bit you needed, not the bit that was the bit before it. Never, never, ever, ever, never, never, ever chimp when something is going on in front of you. Spe- yeah. Especially when you've got a, a, a you know a mirrorless camera where you can see that your exposure's correct. There's no reason to chimp. No, nope,
1: absolutely, totally agree. Right, are we ready we for go. a should we go for a book? Okay, today's book is a, a new edition, I think, to my connection, which is the and it's important for me to say this first edition, the first edition Ooh. of Joseph Kodelka's Gypsies.
0: Hang on a minute, that means it's worth money. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. It is worth yes. a little yeah. bit of money Now, the, I'm also going to tell you where I got this book because for the, I know that some of you are interested in um, book collecting as I am and um, I, I often talk about ABE books ABE books which is a great place to, to get some limited edition first editions all that kind of stuff but also if you're in the United Kingdom one of the best places I've found is the Oxfam online shop, right. beautiful place, lots and lots of stuff on there. They they research the books well, so you're not going to get a, a bargain bucket. You're still going to be paying the similar kind of price to eight books. But what you will be doing is donating all of that money to Oxfam. So this is where this one came from. Oxfam, um, Kudelka Gypsies, and I do already have the. I think it's a 2011 edition of this, but the first edition is the is the special one. This again, it's hard because you're not here, but it's a uh, you know, it's a, it's a standard size hardback book. All black and white. Very, very. It's perfect for my style. You know, I love it. Very high contrast. Um, black and white images. And we talked at the at the top of the show about whether "Gypsies" is the right word to use these days. Um, and I think probably is. To be honest with you, this is the photo essay of the lives of uh, Roma communities across Europe. Yeah. Um, and I think they still kind of uh, take that moniker. And it's if you look on the uh, Magnum website, they have a whole page dedicated to this series of images. And it describes it's described as one of the seminal photo essays of 20th century. Magnum photographer Joseph Kudelka's Gypsies offers an unparalleled insight into the everyday lives of Europe's Roma communities. Carrying only his equipment, a rucksack, and a sleeping bag, Kudelka moved freely between different villages and encampments during the 60s and early 70s, sleeping outside and spending his days immersed in recording the individuals he encountered. And it is a phenomenal book. Um, It's another one of those books that when you when you look at the images, uh, you know, if you're we talked about it last week, if you're into pin sharp images and things that are digitally, you know, spot on, you probably won't appreciate this. Um, But if you're into images that tell a story that are well composed, that are actually very, very poignant. And to a point where when you look at some of the pictures, you, you, you actually just think, oh, my word, there's parts of this that I've, I've just never seen before. So I'm looking at a picture. I, it's again, a book doesn't have um, page numbers, but there's an image of a guy uh, with just seemingly two people in this picture There's a guy just stood staring at the camera with a tie on and next to him is another guy who's playing a fiddle. Um, and they're obviously in a uh, you know in a a fairly basic room and then right down in the corner almost in the uh, in the vignette of the shot is a little child in a pair of shorts looking very mournfully at the camera as well and very dark and hardly hardly seen you know now from a technical point of view remember this would have been 1969 1970 it's incredibly difficult picture to have taken, um, you know, light is harsh, there's very big shadows everywhere, but the story is is brilliant, you know, it's, it, it's there, and then you kind of move into some of the other images, the next image on the next page is the um, the Roma Gypsies are having a, uh, a party by the looks of it, and so you have a, a little boy on a saxophone, you've got several pictures of um, uh, the Virgin Mary and Joseph and Jesus on the wall, you have another guy playing the um, accordion, and then in the mirror, you have you can see the people dancing who are obviously behind joseph who's taking these pictures so again frames within frames it's beautiful really beautiful you know you look at these pictures and you can't help but think what are they doing now where are they now where did their lives go and then you know some of the more kind of classical portraits straight to camera uh, of the people and you get a real sense of environment uh, a real sense of their homes and their lives and also i think Ultimately, you get a real sense of how Joseph Kodolka was accepted into their community for this this period of time, and you know, I think that's was probably quite rare in those days.
0: Well, Shutterbug called him a gypsy with a camera, and it's it's glorious to think that you could you know pack up your camera, just you um, move around uh, at will, and go and make stories about him. That 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 is probably for you that would be the ul- the ultimate freedom to go and make your your street pictures, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean the the final two pictures in the book are. are are powerful beyond belief so it's um 1967 these book these pages are titled and it's it's the uh, somebody has died a um, oh, is, is this
0: is this the coffin pit uh, the, yeah, yeah so there's there's oh, two frames for right. this yes, there's yes. the one
1: with the mother presumably holding the head of the, the yeah. girl in the coffin yeah. um she's got a coin on her eye which presumably is some kind of tradition i'm not sure and then there's the other one the wide shot of that which is the one you're probably referring to Uh, Of the coffin and and everybody looking at the coffin, yeah, yeah, Um, all
0: all gathered around. There must be like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's about twenty people, perhaps,
1: in the room. And it's insane. I mean, the story in that picture is insane, but the technique to to take that picture, that window is shining straight on him. Yes, that the talent of the the photographer technically is amazing but the storytelling is is superb you know absolutely superb um and i like what it says on the inside uh, cover of the book it says um joseph Kodolka, the rage to see i like that oh. the rage to see he's got rage to see um a c as in s-e-e not s-e-a yeah 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 so yeah, Kodolka's Gypsies is uh, is the book of the week. We shall link to it, of course. Um, it is available. The reprints are available freely, not freely, but you know, available easily on Amazon and various other places. But the first edition is more challenging to to get. Yeah, but yeah. you've
0: got first edition, Kev. First
1: edition. Lock
0: lock that one away, Kev. Don't
1: tell Gemma. No. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. What's that? She said when it turned up in the post. Oh, it's um, somebody's just sent me a, uh, something for Christmas.
0: <laughs> you yeah, sent yourself? Of the listeners, yeah, yourself one of the listeners for sent me a gift. That's a very good idea. Oh, when boxes turn up now? Yeah. Well, as long as they don't have Amazon written on the side, because they're not going <laughs> to... I don't think Sam will be fooled on that one.
1: But no, seriously, the the, uh, the Oxfam stuff, if you're in the UK, Oxfam, you can filter it by collectibles and photo books as well. There's a lot of good, good stuff on there. Do not yeah. blame me if you end up bankrupt, all right? <laughs> That's all I'm saying, or divorced, or <laughs> no. living in a box under a bridge. Living, That's entirely
0: up to you. Living in a box, living in a cardboard box. Do you remember who did that song? Well, that was Living in a Box, wasn't it? It was so, Living in a Box, wasn't it, yeah. By living in a Box. Yeah. Um, a couple here actually There's a there's a there's uh, one from Mike Miller It's not so much a question But he said uh, Hi Kev Neil I hope you're both well Staying positive And testing negative um, yeah, That's a good phrase mm. I'm, I'm sure that somebody's Already pointed this out John Boy was a character Who was on the TV show The Waltons Oh do you remember We talked about it last week I think, Yeah I think I said Little house on the Little little house on the prairie
1: well, You got it all wrong you, mean, you, yeah. you,
0: you didn't even say The right thing do, Well I can't remember What I said Did I say uh, You said good Goodnight Good night, John Bill Boy. Oh, Billy Bob. Good Billy oh, Bob yeah. or something, oh, yeah. and it's John Boy. Yes, John Boy. Little House on the... I've got to be careful about the T's now. Little House on the Prairie, sort of centred around the young girl, Laura. Michael Landon, who also played Little Joe on Bonanza, was the father in this series. Have a great week. Just thought I'd help out. Mike. <laughs> so we, well, he did. Thank you, Mike. And the reason why I was being very, very careful about um, pr- pr- pronunciation was Paul Sillard, well, I assume it's Szilard. It's S-Z-I-L-A-R-D.
1: There's a silent letter in there, Kev. What do you think about silent letters? Pointless. <laughs> what is the point of silent letters? Waste of space. But I don't know all because those, I don't all know All those where... trees that could have been saved. Honestly, all those trees that could have been saved I you not know. typing in wait, silent letters. I don't know where Paul's from because it could be Szilard, of course. Um,
0: I don't know. But there would yes. still be a, a silent letter there then, wouldn't there? Anyway, I would have put... So he had a stitching question. I would have put stitching but I noticed that you guys don't like saying some letters, the letter G at the end of words in particular.
1: How very dare are we you! Getting, all. Are we get our asses whooped here. We are.
0: <laughs> uh, now I suppose I should also put yada 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 uh, to get this read out. I'm a Fuji user since 2012, having started with the X100. Now I have an XT4, three, twenty. And X Pro 2 and 21 lenses. 21 lenses? Well, wow, that's all of them, I think. I reckon he's got your know, 35mm.
1: Did he say it Fuji shooter? Well,
0: yes, it's Fuji Film. So we should correct you, Dan.
1: Yes, exactly. It's Fuji Film. Fuji Film, not Fuji. <laughs> 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 oh,
0: actually, I should have. Uh, this is a classic um, didn't read the question beforehand moment. He's told oh. me where he lives. He lives in Sydney, in Australia. Uh, and it has got some links here to some of his photos. We'll try and remember to put that link up. Anyway, I've yep. started to get interested in 360 photography. My question is, have either of you experimented with image stitching as opposed to stitching, as opposed to using the cameras built in pano mode? If so, what lenses would you recommend? And What software? There's PTGUI, which I, I've used in the past, and uh, Hugging. Shouldn't that be Hugging? Seems popular. <laughs> the infamous Adobe subscription programs. Uh can also do this. I was going to tip you a cappuccino, but as I have an espresso espresso machine at home, it only cost me one dollar, which would cost more in fees to send than it's worth. <laughs> uh love from Paul <laughs> I like to you know they're my favorite kind of emails really when you're a little bit cheeky
1: yeah um, yeah have you have you done some three sixty uh 360 mm, Pan- no Pan- I, I mean i've done uh, i've done some 180 degree stuff and everything and i do use i just use the lightroom lightroom you can do you can stitch lightroom yeah. uh, i don't think you can do 360s but you can do panoramas um yeah don't not really something i've done yeah. so i know have, that michael yeah. Schilling
0: he does, does it. yeah Schilling does He's- it
1: yeah He's got a special thing that comes out of the top of his head and takes pictures. (laughs) I I can't remember. Every time. We we will link to his Instagram with all of his his, uh, 360 pictures. But But
0: I don't think he has to stitch it in in PT GUI I think it's called, or or Huggin, or Hugin, or however you pronounce that. But I don't think he has to do that because his camera stitches it all together for him. Whenever we go out with Schilling, he always stands in the middle. It makes us do a 360 picture, doesn't he? (laughs) We always have to do one where the camera. His antennae comes out the top of his head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I did do some about two, maybe three, two years ago. I don't know. Uh, It was tremendously complicated and I vowed never to do it again. I bought all the kit, including a special tripod head and everything and and then sold it all, I'm afraid. It was like, oh, I don't know, people do this for a living? I lost
1: my sanity doing it. Some of them are great, I have to say. I do like them, but, yeah, I'm not... I, I, by the time the camera's gone around and the exposure's changed, I might have, have just kicked my camera into the sea.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think that answers your question, Paul, and we will start to use the letter G more often. Right, your, Yeah. Your, your question. Kevin, I think that will be the last
1: one for this showing. Today. Last one, right, I'm going to pick one. From Keith Martin. Oh, Keith Martin. Uh, that's Keith Martin. <laughs> I see it? that Angelina Jolie is yeah. making a biopic about oh. Don McCullen Right. Who would you like to direct Fujicast the movie? <laughs> oh goodness. Uh,
0: Fujicast the movie. Uh, who would direct it? Fujicast the movie. Spike Lee. Spike Lee. I, want, I don't know. I want. I want attitude in there. <laughs> I suppose, uh, um, de- dead or Alive, I suppose it would be really interesting Stanley to have Stanley Kubrick, wouldn't it? Eh?
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Hey, Stanley, Stanley Kubrick, Kubrick. yes. Yeah. It,
0: would, it would all be a well, bit st- be
1: tr- strange in places, but I, I, I think that would be quite nice. There could be a monolith between us. Um, and <laughs> Do you see that monolith that turned up in, in America recently? Read oh, about I saw that.
0: something about that, and then I didn't click on the story. What was that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> It was this great big metal monolith, just like the one in 2001 appeared in uh, some desert. It might have been Oregon or somewhere like that. And uh, and <laughs> it just appeared. Right. And then there was this whole thing about, what is it? Is it aliens? Is it some kind of, <laughs> you know, nuclear test, whatever? And then, uh, and then it disappeared. And, and everybody was like, oh. <gasps> it's god they've got the aliens have come back it's gone it's you know it's 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 definitely aliens definitely aliens Don't and then ch- yesterday this fella on instagram yeah. said uh, no i was there i was there these three blokes just turned up knocked it down put it in the back of a lorry and drove off with it I took it
0: off <laughs> what do you mean they, <laughs> they nicked the monolith <laughs> they nicked it yeah ah, oh well there we <laughs> go he said, and
1: they only had two eyes each
0: <laughs> uh, it's a bit like crop circles do you believe in crop circles uh, well, they exist. I've seen them. Yeah, but do you believe that they're made by aliens, or do you think you know Farmer Giles turns up and uh, does, does, does his business and and then lets no, everybody? I,
1: I, yeah, I think it's I think it's a, a thing that people have been doing. However, I do believe that there probably is other life out there. Do you believe in aliens? Do you? Uh, well, if you if you have to kind of call them aliens, then yes. If they're not from this planet, I believe there's life outside this planet. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a yeah. big big place, the universe. Yeah, I'm only going as far as Merthyr Titful here, Mike.
0: <laughs> you <know, 'cause> <laughs> oh, I tell you what, there's plenty of aliens in Merthyr Titful. You tell me that all the time. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's it for this week. Thank you very much. Um, if you can and you think it's relevant, we'd love to, you to leave a review. Uh, you can uh, share the episode as well on Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, you be a star, if you will. Let us know where you're sharing too, because we like to give those platforms a shout-out as well. See you in the uh, Facebook group for, for any questions that you have. Now, remember... Uh, the most important rule here, Kev, is you can only leave the Facebook question in in that their post that you created.
1: Yes, really, really
0: important. <laughs> and don't don't be doing nothing else with it. Send your questions, your stories, and your work, and anything of interest you think listeners will enjoy or learn from via the, the show's website uh, address um, or the, the email address. Click at fujicast.co.uk. Um, thank you to those that have been supporting the show by, uh, by by you know joining the Patreon scheme. If you can do it, fantastic. For those who think it's appropriate, of course it's. Uh, not just for for you know for us, but for your pocket too. It's got to be appropriate, but the donations will help the show um, as a, as an ongoing project. Music from Blue Wednesday, supporting music from the incredible Artlist.io. Thank you to Pete Reed, and that's it for another week. We'll see you next week. Uh, thank you, Kev. Bye bye. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye bye. The FujiCast is an independent loading zone production. Email the show with your
2: questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.